service to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Franica. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm in a bit of a mood. Oh yeah, <laughs> I can hear it in your voice. I uh, I, can, I can tell because you're ending your sentences going down. <laughs> yeah. We've gotten into a, a little habit where we record. On Fridays, Friday afternoon is when we record The Greatest Generation. Yeah. And we usually we usually record two episodes if uh, if we can if we can make it work. Sometimes it's one greatest discovery and one greatest gen, but Uh-huh. Sometimes it's one drunk episode. Right. Right. It. Yeah. It's sort of context context dependent, but uh-huh. uh oftentimes we record two episodes and this is our second of two today. And um I uh I've also been getting into making myself a little a little special cocktail for the end of the week because I I've basically stopped drinking on weeknights on school nights. Uh-huh. I, I don't I don't I don't partake in in spirits anymore and uh this is mostly a a weight loss thing but um but I felt I felt like it it's had other ancillary positive benefits. Sure. Uh, to my to my pocketbook, etc. But so you know, like Friday is uh, it it feels much more like the you know the first evening of the weekend now than it has in a long time, and I've gotten into the habit of making myself a, a little uh, special cocktail beverage. Uh, but this is a uh, this is a recipe that requires uh, I I prepare it the night before. And uh, and put it in the freezer overnight, and uh, I've done it for several weeks in a row now. And I've been uh, just just recently started to mess around and uh, try to get some variation in it. And um, my uh, my tweak this week did not work, so the texture is all wrong. It's too sweet, and I'm just I'm bummed out. I've been working on this drink since Thursday. It's Friday. Tell me what's in it again. I missed. I I lost the thread at that point. Uh, so it is a daiquiri. It's a it's a it's the daiquiri that the guy from Booker and Dax, uh, Dave Dave Arnold, I think is his name. Uh huh. He made this for uh, Food and Wine magazine uh, mm-hmm. for a series of videos on there. And as somebody who has long had aspirations to making interesting and cool cocktail videos uh right. these these dave arnold ones really fucking f- fill me with jealousy because he's like he's so good at making cocktails and yeah like the videos are perfectly fine there's nothing like from a video standpoint to distinguish them at all but uh but he always makes something really cool and interesting uh, in them and uh and his frozen daiquiri you like mix all the ingredients together and you freeze them in the freezer in like a Ziploc bag overnight so that they uh, it comes out real slushy. But wow. uh, if your ratios are wrong like there's and there's too much alcohol, it won't freeze up. And um, yeah. I don't know. I don't I I mean 
I, I don't know what I did wrong is, is part of what's frustrating me here. I, I went with a dark rum instead of a, instead of a white rum this time, and I went with a uh, turbinado sugar syrup instead of a, a plain old simple syrup. That, oh, uh, man. It, it didn't it didn't freeze up. It's it was it was a bag full of liquid when I pulled it out of the freezer just now. So Well, I think we know what happened here. You're the commenter on the recipe site that <laughs> that says my recipe didn't turn out because I didn't follow the instructions. <laughs> well, yeah. You're making think, all kinds of substitutions, man. I know, but I I mean I've made other I've made other modifications to this and it didn't mess up the texture. The the tricky thing about this is that the ratios are really different from what you would do for a normal daiquiri because uh-huh. you're relying on the freezing process to change the way it tastes. Like the, like when when the water freezes up, it extracts you know, you know like the the flavor changes. So, right. um, it's like quite a bit more sugar than I would put in, and you add water to to the drink instead of adding ice to it and stuff. So, yeah, you know, I I just don't. I don't know. I don't know the the science well enough to know what I did wrong. I think you know if I backed off by a quarter of an ounce of alcohol, would it have frozen up? I don't know. That's tough. I mean, uh, and it I takes mean, a whole it, fucking night to it, you know. It takes twenty four hours to make, so it's it's not like I can iterate this quickly and figure out where I went wrong. I think it'll get the job done though, right? Yeah, it's fine. I I added a bunch of lime juice to it, so. It, to, to cut the sweetness because it was it was really killing me man I am drinking a cocktail made by no effort of my own uh, my wife makes shrubs oh. and uh, and her boy latest... I wish my wife made shrubs yeah and uh, her latest creation is a strawberry rhubarb shrub and so oh, uh, just to give you great. a little a little drink about it method here go the recipes it's a shot of that and a shot of mezcal or tequila, and then a little floater of club soda, and you stir it all up and uh, throw a lime wedge or, or ring in there, and there you have it. Well, it's that great. sounds quite refreshing. It's really nice. It's very nice indeed. Uh, some friends of ours uh, were inspired by my wife's shrub creations, and uh, they've got a plum tree on their property. Yeah. And then they went and made a, sh- uh, a plum shrub. Ooh. And I tried it last night because we had been socializing together. And boy, oh boy, <laughs> I think it might just be shrubs in general that I like. That uh, sounds plum tasty, Adam. Yeah. Plum, the king of stone fruit, in my opinion. Oh, I well, the I best. don't know if I can get there with you. I am so down. Being a being a peach partisan like I if, am. If we're comparing peaches to plums... Uh, the plum skin actually has flavor, while the peach skin act just has texture, and that's why I give the plum the nod. Yeah, but but if you get a good peach, that's the best tasting thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, how? Like a, but it's difficult to find the best peach. I feel yes. like you can find great plums fairly often. F- fine plums are normal. Great peaches are rare. But when yeah. you get the great peach, it's like. As good as as food gets, and it's just look, one thing, you know? Look at me talking out of my ass, though. Like, it's been a while since I've had a great peach. It's a recency bias thing. Maybe it is. I don't know. I can admit it. Our buddy Dave Shumka makes some kind of rhubarb drink that they're always talking about on uh, Stop Podcasting Yourself. Oh, yeah? I've always wanted to go on Stop Podcasting Yourself during the summer so I could t- try Dave Shumka's rhubarb drink. You got to do it. That Sounds so a, good. guy's a great person to have a cocktail with. Yeah. Big fun. 
we were marooned in in northern Canada one time with them and had uh, some some super premium hotel hangs with them. Yeah, I love those guys. Great gang. Do you want to get into the uh, into the episode we came to talk about today? You know, I want to. I'm I'm two shrub cocktails in. Oh, really? And you, and you know what that means? You're you're ahead um, of me. I got to catch up. <laughs> I'm looking for a parmach in all the wrong places, Ben. It's Deep Space Nine, season three, episode three. <laughs> How incredible this is! <laughs> no, of course you don't. Maybe the longest episode title we've gotten on Deep Space Nine, right? I don't think anything's close. Yeah, I had to abbreviate it on my notes, which I don't think I've ever had to do. Hmm. You know, we talk about episodes that end on a uh, slide whistle. Uh huh. This one opens on a slide whistle, Adam. Yeah, big time. <laughs> There's a, uh, a a Bashir walking weirdly down a down a lonely hallway, listening in to a doorway as uh, we hear the sounds of an argument from the other side, and uh, Quark catches him. Doctor. Oh, hello, Quark. Bashir tries to play it off like he's uh, he's stretching or something. Bashir's turned into a tragic figure at this point, right? Like, <laughs> what is he doing, and why does he care? He has nothing else to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. I am very sad for him. He needs his own life, and the show doesn't give him that at this point. Yeah. Gord calls a spade a spade. He says Bashir is eavesdropping on the battling O'Briens. I was just cutting the grass under the window there. And then kind of joins in the fun of the of dropping these eaves. And then Keiko walks up to them, also in the hallway, revealing that the O'Briens in question are in fact... Chief O'Brien. I am Chief Miles Edward O'Brien. This is fucking spectacular. And Major Kira. Wow. So it's like that in their household. <laughs> so that's how it is in their family. <laughs> I mean, if if Kira were to adopt the O'Brien last name, then she would just be called... O'Brien, right? Yeah. Because that, that's how it works in Bajoran <laughs> yeah. culture. O'Brien Nerys. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be kind of a, an amusing twist for the show to take. Like, they, they turn into a triad. <laughs> she becomes the, the unicorn in Miles and Keiko's relationship. <laughs> yeah. Not so sure that's off the table, Ben. Kind of what the episode is about, actually. <laughs> Quark doesn't need to even try to overhear people. Like he doesn't need to put a glass on the door, for example. Right. Is that really how this how ears work? Like if my ears were as big as Quark's, would would they be that sensitive? It sure feels like the most important part of the ear is the inside and not the outside. Like you don't get people with big ears talking about how great their hearing is. What the, what you need is like what is it? The 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 ball and and drum, the the the. Oh yeah, the tympanic membrane. Yeah, well, what you need is a great big drum in there. Yeah, isn't that the secret? I don't know. I mean, like when you when you put your hand up to your ear, you can sometimes hear something across the room. Yeah, so that's got to be a big part of it. I I feel like it's a it's a whole system that's got to be working together. Maybe there's something also going on inside. Why are we maybe, just now? Maybe Cork getting... has an enviable tympanic membrane. How long have we known Ferengi? Why are we just now getting uh, a hint at their 
advanced ability for hearing. I feel like we've we've experienced their sensitivity to yeah. loud noises a few times. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I want more of this and I want it <laughs> used in a in a like bad business sense. Right. Like in I exactly w- the same way of like like if Data can pinch the nose of a Tommy gun closed with his thumb and forefinger, why isn't yeah. he ripping people's arms out of their sockets all the time? Right. Yeah, that was a that was an issue we interrogated for a long time <laughs> when this show was about uh Star Trek the Next Generation. Oh, uh, we were young and dumb. Neither of us was particularly full of cum, but No. No. <laughs> we were we were shooting ash at that point. <laughs> we cut to the replomat and it's the return of Grilka. Yeah. Ben, someone that we knew from the uh, the House of Quark episode. Yeah, Worf and Dax are kind of, they're like on more of a date than Worf seems to realize. I like a man riddled with contradiction. Worf is just oblivious, and yeah. he has been for a long time. Have you ever realized you were on a date? Like, <laughs> while, while it was already happening? That's really cute, Ben. <laughs> no, not ever. I I was always in the position of wanting it to be a date that it clearly was not. Oh wow! I so yeah. I uh, when I was no on, one ever wanted to date me. I need to make that clear. When I was on study abroad, I invited a what I thought of as a platonic friend from my program to the movies one night, and she and I were sitting there watching the extraordinarily violent Eli Roth movie Hostel, and during <laughs> during the movie, I realized like God like. I don't think that this girl has any reason to believe that this isn't a date I invited her on and that this is the movie I thought we should see on a first date. And and then I like couldn't not think that for and I don't like I never got confirmation one way or another, but I just uh I just felt terrible the whole time after that. Did you did you feel worse about the possible mixed message or about the film selected for the date? Both they were they were both bad choices. I shouldn't have seen that dumb, gross movie, and I shouldn't have. Uh, you know, like I, it was just I was I was a very awkward man in my youth. I'm still an awkward man. Yeah, you know. Come on, I just don't have to. Like Not that much has changed. When when you're married, a, a huge number of awkward situations get taken out of your. <laughs> out of your life yeah a lot of that stuff stops mattering yeah so much ceases to matter as soon yeah. as you're married right ben it's a <laughs> it's one of the best things about it Worf peeps grilka from across the room and he's wondering do the eyebrows match the drapes <laughs> <laughs> because he is smitten what are you doing i'm gonna touch her neck put your hand down it's like right on the heels of he and dax basically tiptoeing up to sexy talk with each other, you know? Yeah, Worf is too dumb for that. Yeah, yeah. He's not picking up what she's putting down. If if you want to hit on Worf, you're going to take out... You're going to have to take out both of his dicks for him, to get the, <laughs> for him to get a sense of what's happening. Oh, this is like a sexual kind of thing. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Do you think the Klingon fly has two zippers? Oh... I don't know. I don't think you would want to like go to either side of a zipper. 
Oh, but that wouldn't matter for you because you're a pull your pants all the way down peer. <laughs> Is that what you think I am? Yeah. Yeah. When you go to the urinal, you pull your pants all the way down to the floor. I'm not I'm not a butters pisser, Ben, I promise. <laughs> Is there ever a time when Worf pees out of one dick and not the other? Do you have to Does take them both out? Does he have two bladders? Yeah. That would that'd yeah. be awful to get out of balance. Like, oh man, left bladder is fucking busting right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in that way, they could be like breasts, right? Like yeah, breasts so filled so. with different amounts of mother's milk. Right. Yeah. Would you like to know more? I want to know more about this. Well, Worf catches Grilka embracing Quark and is... You know, it's like seeing a hot person do something that you think is gross and and having it kind of like ruin the hotness for you. But Dax explains like, oh, yeah, like that's Grilka. She used to be married to Quark. Like seeing a lady take a dump into a uh, a file folder set <laughs> in the middle of a train station. Yeah. She's just crapping. <laughs> like that. Like that. Speaking of taking a dump, I kind of feel like Klingons talk about finances like diarrhea. Yeah. Yeah, they they treat it as a disgusting topic of conversation. Grilka is is very much there to seek Quirk's help in straightening out her books after all of the all of the uh war uh expenditures her house has underwent and you know, they've lost a lot of men, a lot of Material, a lot of land. War. What is it good for? If you ask me, absolutely nothing. Yeah. And they need to, they need to square things away. But uh, but you can't like kind of come right out and ask for it because it's it's sort of a taboo. It's sort of embarrassing to to not have your have your shit buttoned up financially as a Klingon. If it pleases you, I will allow you access to the records. Kind of weak by Grilka, TBH. And it's got to be frustrating for Quark too. Like he just, he just zeroed out those books, and now she's uh, she's in a whole bunch of financial trouble again. It's got to yeah. be frustrating. There's been a whole Klingon war in in between then and now, so I could see why things would have changed. I thought Quark may have taught her how to do fish accounting. <laughs> you know, so yeah. that she could learn to catch the fishes herself. Oh yeah, well. You know, if, you know, we hired a bookkeeper about a year ago for the Uxbridge Shimoda family of products. And yeah. I think if, if we've learned anything, it's that it is really good that somebody who actually knows what they're doing is keeping an eye on things. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can really make a hiring mistake in that area. <laughs> Trust us. <laughs> Interesting backstory to Grilka, though. Like this, this ongoing conflict is been a money losing proposition for her so she's kind of in the weeds a little bit financially yeah i i love a a return of a character like this and how much how much infill that does on like what the klingon war has meant for different kinds of people in this universe she really scratches a lursa and bator itch that i have uh oh yeah in manner i really feel like she's she's elements of both characters to me She's not as she's not as grody as Larsa Orbitor. Yeah. She's not always yeah. like licking her fangs. 
Yeah, I mean, she can't go all the way there for whatever reason, but uh, she is she is window pane breast adjacent, you know. Yeah. Golden cotton. The cut. Golden cotton. So this episode, interestingly, directed by Garrick. Yeah. You notice that? I did notice that. That's pretty cool. His first time. He's got an initial. He's got a middle initial for his directing credit, which is interesting. What is it? Uh, It's Andrew J. Robinson. And I think that that's like, that's almost certainly a guild thing. Hmm. Like if you are, it's why a lot of actors have like a middle initial or a a middle name or something because- That's why you're Benjamin R. Harrison. Well, uh, yeah. I mean- it kind of is like it's 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 to distinguish one Andrew Robinson from another. So presumably somebody in the DGA was already named Andrew Robinson, and so you can't you can't be named that, right? But he invented being an Andrew Robinson, who's an actor. <laughs> There's a weird kind of elliptical thing going on with the backstory of Grilka, and it begins in the replimat when Dax is like, all right, let me give you the lowdown on Grilka. And then she sprinkles in a little bit in that scene. And then later on, when we cut to Ops, the story continues. Like they're taking the lift into Ops, and Dax is finishing relating this entire backstory to him. Yeah. But Worf could have just sat down and watched the House of Quark episode. Right. We're getting the last time on through Dax here. Yeah. I like it. She really knows the whole damn thing. I guess she uh, she played enough tango with Quark to extract this story from him. Yeah. And it's pretty fun. O'Brien isn't through buying sketchy shit from Bashir to give to Kira <laughs> because he's in there to, uh, like, I guess the insect thing from the last episode uh, did or did not pay off. There was yeah. no real resolution to whatever happened there, but uh, O'Brien is picking up some flones from Bashir uh, to give to Kira for her sneezing. Yeah. And it's clear that he's sort of adopted a bit of a medieval food tasting sensibility for her. Yeah. Like, like he's he's wearing the gas mask. He's wanting to taste and smell all of the all of the herbs and stuff that Bashir is prescribing. And Bashir's like, this is homeopathy, man. Like, there's n- literally no risk. O'Brien makes the mistake of letting something slip that Bashir seizes on greatly, which is like, yeah, I noticed uh, Kira had a bit of a rash when she was rising from the tub, and I was helping yeah. her out of said tub, and Bashir was like, oh, really? <laughs> Could you draw her body from memory? <laughs> it's it's kind of like, like Bashir is, is getting kind of gross about it, but like... He's not wrong, you know, like that's no. a that's a pretty like intimate moment to share with your coworker who moved into your house. If you are in a 24th century future and you were a pregnant person, I would assume that pregnancy technology would be such that like Right now, we've got, like, the old person tub with the little door on the outside and the seat in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's a version of that that's even better right now on the station, right? Why it does Kira need O'Brien? I think that question's answered later in that there probably is a technology that Kira is opting out of in order to get that sweet, sweet O'Brien time. Yeah. Uh, that is something that, that is teased a little bit later on. I it, But uh, this... O'Brien has seen it all, Ben. He's seen everything. This episode really made me wonder if this is a a thing, uh, like a thing that happens uh, with surrogate uh, mothers. 
Yeah. I, I, I don't know that and much a, about it, and I wondered if you... it's like based in truth or something. Yeah, surrogate attraction. But Kate, you must remember that a surrogate is not your employee, but your partner. Yeah, Kate, we're partners. Like Tom and Jerry. It seems totally believable yeah. that, that it would go down like that. Yeah. Back in Quarks... <laughs> uh... <laughs> Back in Quark's, Grilka has seized on Worf's mind and heart to the extent that uh, he throws more. Don't put out this of- on her. Don't. <laughs> this is his fault. <laughs> well, Worf has gone crazy because yeah. he throws Morn out of his bar stool and then starts making a huge scene in order to get the attention of Grilka and her posse. What is that smell? This is one of those weird times where it doesn't seem like anybody is actually at Quark's? Yeah. Like, there's a bullion bartending? Yeah, this seems like an after-hour situation. Yeah. I I doubt Worf would have done this had it been a full bar. Yeah. But uh, Worf's Klingon plumage is puffed out, and it's super colorful. Yeah, he's- Like, uh, this is clear that this is, like, a mating thing happening. Yeah, he's dancing back and forth on the branch, and- right. uh, <laughs> He is, uh, he's threatening Thopak, the younger of the two male Klingons that have arrived on the station with Grilka. And the older dude is like, hey, Worf, why don't you, uh, why don't you come over here and talk to me for a second? I'm going to hip you to some shit. And, uh, <laughs> this two met guy is great. I think he's one of my favorite characters. Yeah, he's great. Uh, he's like, hey, you know how, uh, you know how you're, 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 uh, <laughs> kind of uh, excommunicated from Klingon, polite Klingon society. Like, she's never going to date you, dude. Tumek's like, uh, you may have noticed the reputation of your house is changing, Worf. And that's okay. <laughs> but Grilka's not interested. Oh, man. I'm not good with girls. <clears throat> girls. Tumek says something in the scene that really uh, excited me. Which is, he says, your name is a curse. Whoa, yeah. People are walking around on Kronos going like, go wharf yourself. <laughs> Eat wharf, mother warfer. <laughs> Up your wharf and around the corner. <laughs> You're a real piece of wharf, you know that? Yeah. I love that idea. That's how bad it's gotten for wharf. Not good. Meanwhile, there's a lobotomized Kern walking around making the same jokes. Yeah. Eat my wharf. <laughs> Mother warfer. <laughs> you rotten little piece of wharf. You're not worthy to lick the wharf off my wharf. A son of a wharf cut me off in traffic. <laughs> <laughs> I warped that mother warfer up on the side of the road. People saw me and were like, Worf, that guy really got it. Later on, it's clear Worf is kind of embarrassed about yeah. this. He thought he thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was like being his true self. He clearly was unaware of of how his, his name was being used back home. Uh, but I almost kind of... I almost don't think that that's really it. I think that his leaning on a tradition here just clanged in the room. Yeah. It's weird. Kind of a lot going on. Yeah. But uh, Dax is like, good try. 
like sometimes you need to act foolish in the name of love. Like I get it. Like I don't think I don't think you should feel too bad about yourself. She's been surprisingly also, supportive despite yeah. the fact that he kind of ruined their date to go chase after this lady. Worf, it's clear from this scene, is dumb in a couple of ways. He's, They're having this conversation on the little D, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and is it weird that we haven't been inside Worf's quarters on the little D? Like Ever? I think we saw him like taking the mattress pad off the off the bed at one point. Shouldn't they be rapping in his room? Maybe. I don't know. They're just in the in the canteen on the little D and then Cork walks in, which yeah. is like, why can Cork get on the little D? Great question. That is a I'm, worship for the Federation. I mean he's got he's got honey sticks for all occasions. They ben. probably shouldn't let Kira on the little D. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's there to, like, in the classic way of, you know, a couple people will be having a conversation about one person's interest in another, and yeah. then a, a third person enters and expresses an interest in the same person that they're discussing. Right. Like, that's what's happening. That's what's happening here. Quark needs advice about Klingon mating rituals because he's been invited to dinner at Grilka's, and he thinks it's on. I need help. And he's actually asking for Dax to tell him about how to how to do Klingon foreplay correctly, right? And uh, and this causes Worf to like storm out of the room. Quark is like, "How many clits does a Klingon woman have?" And uh, there's like, just if I a talk, flotilla of men in boats. If I talk dirty to her, like, how dirty should I talk? Like, should I say Worf, or is that like too dirty? <laughs> yeah, give me that fucking Worf. <laughs> Oh, you like it when I wharf you, baby? You like it when I wharf you, baby? <laughs> Sit your wharf down on my face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stick my wharf right in your wharf. I need to make sure that if I'm planning on wharfing you in the wharf, that uh, I tell you ahead of time so we can prepare. Yeah, Get your wharf ready, baby. <laughs> For a nice wharfing. Wharf. Is this your idea of sex? Worf is sort of off to the side a little bit during Dax's advice, which is not great because Worf comes in with his own. His advice is you have got to get yourself the leg of a lingta, bring it to dinner, and then do that thing where you sweep all of the food off of the dinner table <laughs> and replace it with this leg. Yeah. Very dramatic. It's very dramatic. You know, it's, it's, a, it's such an interesting scene. Like, Worf is despite being a swear word in Klingon society, is so interested in doing Klingon right that he can't help himself but give Quark great advice in this scene. So, like, he is kind of working at cross-purposes with what he wants in doing so. And then also at the same time, Dax is there encouraging Quark and encouraging Worf and, like, accepting the friend-zoning that she's being given by, by Worf with like a stupendous amount of class, I should say, but also like, why isn't she like kind of, why doesn't she speak up a little bit more? This is where the Cyrano de Bergerac elements begin, right? Yeah. It's, it's somewhat higher stakes though, because if, if Quark does this right, he will get sex, but if he does it wrong, she will kill him. (laughs) I mean, it often feels like those are the stakes. Yeah. Out when you're out on the open market. I haven't been out on the, on the open market in a long time, but yeah. felt pretty grave the entire time, I'll say. 
Speaking of intimate situations, uh, O'Brien is uh, is giving Kira a, a, a sensual massage. As your pregnancy progresses, your partner can help you prep your perineum for the great stretch of delivery. They're all hanging around the O'Brien quarters in their in their civilian garb. Uh, she's in kind of a pink shift, and he's in something that looks like Riker would wear it at a trombone recital. And this is one of those, like, I feel like just the hands-on intimacy of it, it kind of, like, sends them down the path of, like, accidental sexy talk. All right, Miles, it's time to teach you about massaging pregnant women. Keiko is, like, super encouraging of all the of, of all of the, uh, uh, the familiarity. Keiko is super open-minded about this, which is great, but I, it's tough, man, like, I, could I give a massage to a lady friend of mine? Like I a could. piping hot lady friend also. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but there is a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of drama that you're inviting into your life and relationship if you try. Yeah. Little but but in this case it's Keiko encouraging it. Yeah. I also thought it was really interesting from a costuming standpoint that Kira is wearing a very a very sexy dress and Keiko is wearing like a, a super sexy outfit also. And then Chief O'Brien is dressed like a bus bench. <laughs> you know? um, O'Brien's wearing an ad for a private war. <laughs> <laughs> like the case for, for him being sexy is, is being, you know, undercut drastically by what he's wearing. Yeah, you but, kn- but the two women are like almost hypersexualized in this scene. The costume wags the tone of this, doesn't it? That's interesting. And also, like Chief O'Brien himself is just awkward and a little dopey in yeah. this scene. To where, like, you never get a sense that he's doing the sort of massage that is intended to uh, be creepy or over the line. Like he, like this is not a massage with ulterior motives no i mean it's just but it, it like it, it's it's the scene where you know they're they're you know reminiscing about old old ireland and they kind of both ar- arrive at the conclusion like maybe this is accidentally getting sexier than we mean for it to get and and you know like they both like kind of get a little awkward this is a well-acted scene i feel like it's got to be very hard to to do this kind of dimensionality in a relationship between two characters. The idea that you may or may not be feeling something, but yeah. it's encouraged by a third person, but also uh, also we really shouldn't. But also there's nothing here. Like, that, that'd be crazy. Yeah. Like, there's five different things happening in the room. I wondered if they had a mirror set up so that they could both see each other so that when... Because they, they both... Like it washes over their face at the exact yeah. same moment. It's well timed. It's uh, it's really well done. And and like Kira can't like they can't see each other. You know, Kira's facing yeah. away from O'Brien. Yeah. Back on the little D, Quark boards the ship again for some reason. 
and yeah. uh, and thanks Worf well, for his advice. Well, he's got TSA pre-check, so he can just get it. You know, it's very quick, very efficient. Right. right. Uh, he's there to thank Worf for his advice because it went great. Yeah. Worf is uh, is just hanging around on the bridge of the little D singing Melota or something. Yeah, and, drying uh, his clothes on the on the seats. Yeah. <laughs> Quirk walks in and is like, hey, can you turn that Worf off? <laughs> That's something to talk about here, buddy. This Worf is hurting my ears. <laughs> you call that Worf music? Quark is thankful, but he also wants more. He can't do this on his own. If he's going to be in a thing with his ex-wife... If he's going to rekindle this flame, uh, he's going to need more of Worf's advice. Yeah. And and Worf agrees to give it. The uh, the Klingon mating ritual is complex and has a lot of steps, and, uh, and Worf uh, agrees to provide the needed intel for the next step, which is doing some sword fighting. At what point in the episode did you start thinking about whether or not Quark really wanted to be with Grilka and in what way. I feel like there's a lot of detail given to the many ways that a person courts a Klingon. Yeah. But not a lot of time is given to the reason that Quark wants to do so. It seems like a little bit of a booty call. Yeah. That's implied, but then what? Like, I don't, like, Quark never gives voice to any kind of endgame to this. He seems to be in it for the thrill of the hunt. Yeah, like, I, he doesn't want to make Grilka his girlfriend. Yeah. It's almost like to see if he could do it. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting because a lot of the, you know, like, at one point somebody says, like, when you ask her about the, the history of her house, that will show her great respect and Quirk mm. recoils at the idea of showing respect to a woman he's trying to pursue. Right. And that kind of, I think, betrays where he's coming from, that this is much more the conquest of Cherche La Femme than it is like, you know, than, than that he has any actual, like, interest in her as a person. At Odo's, uh, Kira and Odo are doing that security report meeting that they always do. And uh, Odo's feelings on O'Brien's work is fairly damning. And yeah. what this does is this flushes Kira's feelings about him out of the brush. It is so interesting to see the Odo having a crush on Kira storyline used as a backstop for a whole different storyline. Yeah. Growing fond of the chief, are we? Odo kind of didn't have much to do in the last episode, and he really doesn't have much to do in this episode. But yeah, um, but really being Odo, you know, he's not being a potted plant in either episode. I don't think. I really like uh, Rene Abergenois' physicality in this scene. Like he's really playing with his posture and what he's leaning on. Yeah, he's but pissed off. But there's no suggestion of his biology playing a part in how he's feeling in this scene. <laughs> like, and his, I mean, the fact that he's still a human person with human organs. Yeah, he's got to be, he's got to really be tripping off testosterone right now. Yeah, uh, totally unregarded by either he or Kira in that moment. That is such a great point. Like, and I, I didn't even really think about it that much, but like... The last two episodes, it is so weird that they chose not to do another thing where Odo was the central character to e explore 
his solidness for a little yeah. while. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they've got to be coming back to it later, but there's no reason they can't be sprinkling it throughout season five. It is a mystery why they're not doing that. Yeah. Odo might not be gelatinous anymore, but he's Sir Jelly of O'Brien. <laughs> that is just just a just a rope into the outfield seats, Ben. <laughs> Hell of a job. <laughs> yeah. Uh O'Brien uh, apparently has been repairing a pylon, but not not doing a great job of it because he's kind of preoccupied with the uh, impending birth of his second child and uh, and the the job site being left sort of un, unattended is how ne'er-do-wells are sneaking in and stealing equipment. Yeah, not a good look by the chief. A lot of, uh, you know, like in construction sites, you usually like build a shed to lock the tools up in. That's right. Yeah, why, where's O'Brien's shed of dildos? Yeah. What are you doing? Well, back at Quark's, it's Tumek, which is the old Klingon, and Thopak, the young Klingon. They hang back in the cut. They're sort of like chaperoning. Klingons really like self-organize around alliteration a lot of the time. Yeah. Like, hey, you're named Koloth, and I'm Kang, and he's Kor. Let's chill. <laughs> yeah, it seems that way. Quark and Grilka are in a hollow suite, continuing their courtship while while Tumek and Thopak hang back in the cut, and uh, and they like come stomping down that circular staircase, having just uh, done some hollow sweeting together. Yeah, it's been since like since like the unveiling of the Ferengis and TNG since we've seen a Ferengi in fur and Quark looks great yeah I do like the fur look on uh, on Quark Grilka in this scene asks the question on all of our minds which is why does Quark pursue her yeah and Quark's answer is is uniquely Ferengi he says one word value yeah <laughs> Uh, he also uses the word object with, yeah. in reference to her, which I thought uh, was surprising that uh, she was she was sweet on him enough to cruise past that. I only pursue those things I wish to acquire. Quark never disappoints in these areas, right? No. Like, this is in keeping with his entire deal. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, she realizes she, that he's just trying to wharf her, but she yeah. would kind of like to get wharfed, so... <laughs> It's unclear but not by whether... Worf. <laughs> right. Thopak and Tumek might have been uh, eavesdropping on this, but at the end of this scene, Thopak sort of interferes with their conversation. He cannot deal with Quark as a thing yeah. for Grilka and challenges him to a fight to the death. Yeah, and uh, because of the way Klingon uh, manners work... <laughs> She's like, yeah, so uh, the guy I pay to protect me threatened your life. Uh, what are you going to do, Quark? It's a scene that proves one thing about Klingon tradition utterly, right? You can't just be a cafeteria Klingon. No. You're a Klingon all the way or you are not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so like all of these tra- Klingon traditions have benefited to Quark up until now, up until the moment where like death is on the line. 
So O'Brien and Kira have tiptoed up to the line where they realize that they're kind of they're kind of in in trouble. If they if they have another intimate experience, they might they might make a mistake, do something that uh, that they're both going to regret. And so Kira comes uh, to the O'Brien household and is like. Hey guys, I'm actually uh, thinking about taking like kind of a vacation, heading to Pajor for a couple of days, getting just getting away from it all, going off up in the mountains. And Keiko is is playing the classic oblivious character here, where she's like, "Oh, that's great. Uh, it sounds super relaxing, but like we don't want you to go by yourself, and I've got something to do tomorrow. So why don't why doesn't uh, Miles tag along with you to the super romantic getaway?" Yeah, it is extremely awkward because Kira is trying to wiggle out of this proposal and so is O'Brien. Keiko's like, I just, I, I feel like one of us should be close to you and I, it can't be me. So may, what if, what if Miles stuck his penis in your vagina? Just, <laughs> just to like, just so I could feel safe. You know, I heard a new thing on the promenade that I would like to try out in the room. <laughs> Miles, if you take out your wharf, and then Kira, if you dump out your wharfs, uh, maybe we can just see what happens. Maybe, maybe we uh, can get a little wharfy. Yeah, maybe maybe Miles could jack off and like wharf all over your wharfs. <laughs> oh boy, this is awkward. <laughs> Edward O'Brien, are you going to let the woman carrying your unborn child go on a trip all by herself? It's awkward because it's that thing where they all could have the conversation about right. this unexpected thing that's happening and it's weird, but no one was prepared for it. No one's trying to make this happen, but like surrogacy uh, can bring about some unexpected feelings. That is never even a conversation anyone thinks of having. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's not that long ago that O'Brien w- was discussing how much time he has to spend in therapy after, <laughs> his, uh, after his prison experience. Like, you'd think that he would have a few more tools to, for dealing with this than just, like, awkwardly trying to get away from everything. Right. Yeah, I mean, to him, he's been warfing off for 20 years in some weird prison. Yeah. (laughs) Like, sexually, I think he's going to be a little messed up. Yeah, yeah. The next step in the courtship process uh, is going to have to be killing Thopak for Quark. And uh, this is an awkward deal because Quark is not a Batlithman in the same way that Dax and and, and Worf are. So... uh, so they come up with a pretty ingenious scheme, which is uh, they're going to use a like a neural transmitter for for Quark that they will hide under a lampshade, which uh, you know nobody else would bat an eye at. But you and I know that this is the first time we've actually seen Quark wear one of these things. And uh, I don't think we've ever seen under the lampshade either. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like some kind of gizmo that's back there, and it enables Worf, who is wearing a different gizmo of his own, to you know give all of his Batleth prowess to to Quark. Worf is is puppeteering Quark in such a way that he's sticking his mental hand up Quark's Worf. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird, but yeah. it's cool. It's cool to see the effect. Like they're they're shot in profile. Yeah. 
And so you see how this thing works, like it's showing and not telling uh, right. in a very efficient way. It's like a handheld shot, right, that reveals it where where we see we see Quark like battling Dax and we're like, holy shit, this guy can fight all of a sudden. And then, and then the camera kind of backs up in the space and you see Worf doing all the same moves in in conjunction with him. And it's really well choreographed. It's really well done. It's like, it's like as good of Batleth fighting as we've ever seen. And it's, uh, and it's like two guys doing it together at the same time. Several contestants were maimed, but I was triumphant. We never see Dax and Worf turn it off on Quark, which led me to believe that in the intervening time, it remained. <laughs> and how funny would it have been to have an interstitial scene where Worf was like, was was like doing that thing where he reaches behind someone else and like you're operating their arms and hands. <laughs> like Worf is making the fucked up drinks behind the bar with, with Quark's body. Everything has has like a prune juice floater in it. Goes and dumps something on, on Morin's head. Quark is like, I can't stop warfing off. <laughs> After Quark bounces... Dax asks, like, why do you sweat Grilka so much? Like, what what's that about? Like, you you know, you got you got me standing right in front of you. Yeah, but I mean, Dax has has one vaginal canal. <laughs> like, no, I can see, I, I can see she's, why she's a trill. Maybe she has two. We don't know what the trill are packing. I mean, she's got the pouch hole, so I guess that's another thing. Yeah, if he's got enough length, he could probably get into both. God. Are you fucking pouch when you get down with a trill? Maybe if you're if you're not a Klingon and and you're getting ready for sex with a a penis having Klingon, you just always prepare the bee hole. <laughs> you just when you're a trill, you just always take an extra good shower. <laughs> <laughs> you do a little butt plug action for like a few hours ahead of time, you know. Dex is critical of Worf's laundry list of reasons, like superficial reasons, also that he likes Grilka, and she's right because, like, this is fairly immature of Worf to idealize someone you hardly know. That is always a recipe for disappointment. Like, this is what crushes are. Yeah. Well, you're, and I didn't love that Dax said, why don't you go for somebody a little bit more attainable? Yeah, that's that's not how you want to frame this. Yeah, because she's warfing on herself by, by yeah. describing it like that, right? Yeah, that's really warfed up. She's better or, than Grilka. Well, I don't know about that. In the hollow suite, Quark has entered ready for battle and uh, does fairly well thanks to Worf's chops. Yeah, Thopak is really is really blown away at Quark's batleth skills. If, Doesn't know what to make of it. If Worf can hang with Gowron with the Batleth, shouldn't he be dispatching this guy like with with ease, with super ease? I guess we have to wonder whether the wharf we have here is the wharf that won the big Batleth trophy or the one that <laughs> did not win the Batleth trophy. Great like, question. Which yeah. which universe does this wharf come from? Yeah, champion standing wharf. Uh, totally kills Thopak. But, <laughs> Thopak but seven, just, just head goes flying across the room in the first move. <laughs> but seventh place, Worf, is is this one, the one that we get in this scene, I think. Yeah. 
in the in the fight, Worf chops off part of his harmonica holder. It yeah. is great. <laughs> it's such a like it's such a funny thing coming from the script, but that like the the prop department got perfect. Like yeah. what they designed is exactly what makes sense for this accident to happen. It's so fun. And uh and yeah, like so so Cork has to kind of think quickly and and uh, kill some time while Dax repairs the harmonica holder. So he invokes uh, some made-up Ferengi rite where he explains why he wants to wharf Grilka so bad. He has shown respect to our traditions. We will do the same. This is where Quark is the best, right? This thinking on his feet, coming up with a thing that he can do. Yeah. And by drawing an equivalence between Ferengi customs and his respect for Klingon customs, like it is an airtight out for him to to sort of call time out in the middle of this. Yeah. Thought it was really well written. Yeah, I liked it a lot. And they so they get it they get the thing fixed, get it back on wharf. Uh he finishes the fight, but uh but does not do the murder because you know it'd be it'd be terrible to see Quark do a horrible crime. How yeah, you could you, never recover from some, from something like that. You never see it. But Grilka determines that Thopak's honor is has been fulfilled, and he doesn't need to. Uh, he doesn't need to work for her anymore. Uh, he gets to go home with a clear conscience. <laughs> I guess so. He gets home. He's like, yeah, I got fired from my job. My boss was a real wharf. I swear, if he warps me one more time. <laughs> it seems like, I don't know what I was expecting in this scene, but it feels like far too many duels between Klingons or duels between Klingons and others where death is on the line. When was the last time we saw one of those that actually ended in death? Like early TNG warf. Yeah, that was it. I feel like it's been a long ass time since since we've gotten a situation where death was on the line and death was the line. Yeah. There're just not enough Sicilians in this show. <laughs> That's fair. You fell victim to one of the classic blunders. Man, you don't do breath play. You know? When you're getting down to sexy stuff. I feel like Yeah, I mean, you got to be careful. That's that is too it's too dangerous. Dan Savage is pro everything and he's anti breath play. What's funny is like Dax's Dax drops subtle hint after subtle hint for Worf, and Worf is too much of a dumb to pick up any of them. <laughs> Worf is just being a total Worf about this. Yeah, and it takes Dax skipping the subtlety and skipping straight to physicality for him to get it. Yeah, she has to hologram herself another Batleth to to get down. To business, and I guess she's just so turned on by what she imagines is going on between Grilka and Quark in the next room. Yeah, but both couples are doing breath stuff, and you just can't do that. Too dangerous. Really, have you had a personal experience with breath play? I, I mean, I was, I thought, I thought no, we I'm, interi- I'm just a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a loyal acolyte of Dan Savage, and I know that it's too dangerous. You're you're in the smelling pit. That's he, what you like. He makes a big deal out of it. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, the it's on the get downs get down, and uh, 
we meet up with O'Brien and Kira on a runabout, and they're both in their like vacation clothing, and they're kind of talking it over, and they're like, "God damn it! Like we're gonna go hang out in a super romantic cabin in the woods on some mountain somewhere, and like look at a river. Like we're 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 totally warped if we if we actually go through with this." And if you can't afford Risa, it feels like this is a pretty good second place, right? Yeah. This place is made for wharfing. This is wharfing spectacular. And so they come up with this scheme that O'Brien is going to just not go. And he'll tell Keiko that he, uh, you know, he didn't get through TSA in time to make the flight. And Kira's going to go see Shakar in the capital. And, you know, O'Brien will, he'll, he'll be, he'll be dealing with a rational wharf from Keiko, but he'd rather say sorry than go through with this. At this point in the episode, like enough has been resolved, like the pair-offs have have happened in such a way that if this episode took a hard right turn into Kira's visit with Shakar and that moment being Kira finally telling Shakar that she's pregnant with O'Brien's baby, yeah. that's how I wanted this episode to end. <laughs> like, give me a hard 10 minutes of that super awkward conversation between her and Shakar. Like, for some reason, she's kept it to herself. Yeah. It'd be amazing. She's only doing the FaceTime from, from like, the breasts up. <laughs> Shakar's like, damn, girl, looking thick. <laughs> give, give daddy his num nums. You're kind of glowing. It really makes me want to wharf you. <laughs> yeah. What do we know about Shakar's knowledge of Kira's pregnancy? We don't know anything, right? Yeah. I think that's that's got to come up. It's a. It is a shame that we don't get that scene. Yeah. I think this was, I mean, as great as the scene early on uh, where O'Brien and Kira were awkward together with the realization between them. Yeah. This doubles down on that feeling big time and is an even more pronounced feeling of that. Yeah. That's a, it's a more pronounced expression of that here because like O'Brien does that thing where he he looks at her lips at the end. Like it, it, it seems like they come very close to making out here. They, they both agree verbally that shit is going down and maybe in another life things would go down. It's amazing. She has to kick him off the runabout because he kind of gets lost in those lips. You didn't think I was going to look down there? Kira's about to climb onto his wharf if, <laughs> if he doesn't leave. You really want to do this here. Now, okay, okay, let's do it. Do it. The button on the episode is uh, in the infirmary. Cork and Grilka have had their role in the hay, and Cork is really banged and bruised up, and Bashir is uh, helping, uh, you know, patch things up. Kind of, kind of oblivious to what the cause of injury is, and you know, he keeps like asking, like, where, what, what happened, and uh, I guess kind of grossed out when they, when it is, when it becomes clear to him that they were warfing. And then uh, in come Worf and Dax, who have also just warfed, and uh, Bashir is uh, is equally perturbed and grossed out by that. <laughs> it just stinks like Worf in there. Yeah, everything smells like Worf. Yeah, it's 
wild to think that we've gotten like not just one pair off, but two pairs off in this episode. We almost went for three. We almost went for the hat trick. I know. I know. The the, the button on the ep is Dax and Worf post-gaming it. Like, what does it all mean? I mean, they've clearly begun a ritual that ends in marriage. And Dax, like, kind of pumps the brakes on that a little bit. She's like, I'm not in any rush. I'm down to just see where this happens. I'm down to just see where this goes. And for some reason, that is, like, the laugh line of the episode is Dax saying, I'm just glad you're not into Grilka anymore. And then out of nowhere, like, Worf Stovacore laughs. Yeah. What did you idea. think of the fact that his hair is down and hers is not? Like she's uh, still got like a she's still got like a hair clip in and her and her you know like the part of her do that is up is still up. Hmm. I don't know. Actually, it, there's some continuity problems because a couple of times it cuts and he's got like full ponytail and it, and then like it'll cut to the front and he's got like his hair like down at his shoulders it suggests a lack of equivalence in oral sex happening mm, yeah in, oh in, maybe in oral maybe she, wharf happening maybe she finished him off orally and she needed to put her hair back to to make that work yeah yeah i could see that and that's it did you that's like the, the episode ep- adam i mean god so much happens it's hard not to it's hard not to love it um <laughs> i think the it's one of the rare instances where an A and a B story are almost equal in terms of their interest and quality. Mm-hmm. But they teased me with something that I can't stop thinking about, which is, I mean, for a season now, they've teased the idea of a Dax and Worf relationship. And now that it's here, I'm thinking about whether or not I'm happy about that or if I would prefer an O'Brien-Kira relationship and all of the drama that that would present. Wow. Um, I wonder if there was ever a point where they were like, you know, Nana Visitor and Kalamini are really doing great with how awkward this is. And I just can't imagine there wasn't a moment in the writer's room where they were like, okay, let's let's throw this ball of yarn out and... And see how far it goes and like (laughs) sketch out what could possibly happen here. I think that is a super interesting road not taken by this show. And uh, I mean, it remains to be seen whether or not Dax and Worf is a satisfying thing. But but as far as drama goes, I would assume that a O'Brien and Kira relationship would pack far more drama into things given given the Keiko situation. But uh, I think that's where I'm at with it. What about you? I like the episode a lot. I think it's, um, it is a, a much lighter episode than, uh, you know, like a lot of shit has happened. And I guess I, th- I think this is kind of like a, a bit of a palate cleanser yeah. episode. Um, but, but a lot happens, you know, a lot of momentous shit goes down and yeah. it's pretty fun to watch. And I think there's a lot of real feelings in it, you know, like the feeling of being a girl with a crush on a guy who's got a crush on another girl and he's helping another guy get with that girl. Like all of that stuff is, you know, like a bit overwrought and, and melodramatic, but also like all of the 
feelings of want and jealousy are are very real and and well portrayed i think right uh so um i really liked it yeah good app good app and you know it's it's shitty to ding it for something that it didn't do instead of grading it for what it did and i just want to be clear i like the episode a lot but it did make me a little preoccupied it, like because it did such a good job with kira and o'brien i wonder to what degree that was a surprise to people yeah yeah. Uh, ben, one thing that should surprise no one is the part of the show where we read Priority One messages. You want to get to that? Let's do it. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first Priority One message is of a promotional nature. Mm. The message goes like this. In the Bat Rankings podcast, your intrepid hosts, Ben and Kenny, use unimpeachable science to rank every episode of Batman, the animated series. Wow. How many Millie Anthony's equals one Captain Clown? Is Bruce Wayne's fortune built on the shaky ethical ground of the for-profit prison system? Whoa. How many blowjobs does Mark Hamill deserve? (laughs) All this and more on Bat Rankings. And wow. uh, you can find the Bat Rankings show at uh, anchor.fm slash batrankings. That's B-A-T-R-A-N-K-I-N-G-S. Wow. Subscribe to that on your podcatcher of choice. Batran Kings. I wonder how many bats enter before one bat leaves. Oh, no idea. I, I did not expect it to have... Uh, to skew so hard into wharf jobs. Yeah. Uh, Mark Hamill is really great in uh, in his uh, Joker voice portrayals. I haven't actually watched that series, but I've played a couple of Batman video games that Mark Hamill did the voice for, and yeah? it is really amazing. That's great. Yeah. Talented man. Great at that character. Well, uh, got to check out the Bat Rankings podcast. Uh, Adam, we have another Priority One message here. This one being of a personal nature. It is from Matt DX Prague Hackman. <laughs> and it's for Morgan Devbus, anonymous last name. And it goes like this Thanks for getting me completely obsessed with this pod. Hopefully, when Ensign Bucky takes the battle bridge and can't see the view screen because he got Bubba the LASIK technician. Our Shimodas will be wholly drunk and our crackers appropriately peed upon by the Pillsbury Doughboy. Whoa. And don't forget to ask for attack pattern Delta on your way out. Jeez, they're into some sick Bashir shit with those crackers. Yeah, what kind of wharfy stuff are they getting into? Wow. Hey, uh, this is another message that came in in April, and uh, just want to put it out there that uh, we are we are happy to be reading these priority one messages and hope that they are not uh, they're not too late for anyone out there. Uh, please be patient with our with our massive popularity with the priority one system. Yeah, I think I think the the thing to keep in mind is if you would like to time up a P one for a specific date. I would say that you need to be thinking like maybe nine months ahead of of time to to be 
reliably able to to get that kind of accuracy. But if you would like to get a priority one message, you head to maximumfund.org slash jumbotron and it's a hundred bucks for a personal and two hundred for a commercial. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. 
Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! Worf is really, really crashing in his in his stock value, I think. <laughs> I think this episode really paints a picture of a man almost totally oblivious. It makes me wonder how he's able to do his job. He is so oblivious to the world around him and the people in his yeah. life. yeah. He's as oblivious as junior high Adam or even high school Adam or today's Adam. He's he's just not with it at all. And <laughs> it's hard for me to choose anyone that's not Worf. I I really wonder if he's gonna pull up out of this. He's <laughs> he's not a great character at the moment. What about you, Ben? Uh my direction mode is Dr. Bashir for getting stuck cleaning up after everybody's sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. He's he's the mop guy at the sex arcade. Yeah. Yeah, he's totally mopping out the jack shacks. Yeah. Uh so that's why he's my drunk Shimoda. Say no more. But say what episode we're watching on the next episode of The Greatest Generation. Next episode is season Five, episode four, nor the battle to the strong. Trapped on a planet under Klingon attack, Jake Sisko panics in the heat of battle. What's so he doing like, out there? Looks like the Klingon war is not as over as uh, as we had hoped. Yeah, no kidding. What's what's Jake doing on the surface of some planet? Trying to figure out how things smell for one of his books? A great Get question. out of there, Jake. Uh, another Another great question is how we will be doing that episode. How will we be doing that episode? There's only one way to find out. It's by consulting the Game of Buttholes. Will of the Prophets. It's at gach.biz slash game if you'd like to follow along. We are currently on square 45 where we are on the doorstep of a Coco No-No and uh, just a little bit further out. A space butthole that would take us down to a fuck it, we'll do it live Ep, and I've got the die in my hand. Mm. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. I have rolled and hit the butthole, Ben. Too Fuck! Did I win? Hardly. I rolled a four. Hit wow. us, dropped us right onto the space butthole. We have dropped all the way down to square 14, where we have a... Fuck it, we'll do it live. This is the controversial square where we have to live stream the episode and people get mad at us because their schedule didn't work with ours. Wow, I thought we were past this foolishness. And here we are. <laughs> nope. Wow. Uh, cool. <laughs> really warfed up the roll that time. Yeah. Uh, you're, you reliably roll ones and that would have gotten us a nice, a nice friendly Coco no-no. I know. That'll be the next episode. Fuck it, we'll do it live. Wow. Okay, well, uh, that's uh, that's that. Uh, <laughs> if uh, you'd like to support the show in between now and then, I really hope you'll head to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Uh, you can also, if you, if you can't get enough of Ben and Adam, 
Listen to uh, listen to the greatest discovery and listen to Friendly Fire, our other podcasts. Great shows, both. Listen to all the great Adam and Ben shows. That's what I'd say. Yeah, please support our buddy Adam Rakusia over at his by watching all his uh, great cooking videos over at his uh, YouTube channel. He, of course, made the custom theme music for this show. Uh, riffing off of the work of Dark Materia, who made the original Picard song, our original theme song. Got to thank Bill Tilly. Yeah. Uh, on on Twitter at Bill Tilly 1973. He does uh, he does a bunch of uh, trading cards based on each episode. Always really makes me laugh. Uh, picks hilarious screen grabs and hilarious quotes from our show. Uh, makes us look much funnier than we actually are. Best in the biz. Use the hashtag greatest gen. Find all the online community. It's all out there. Friends of DeSoto want to talk to you about the show. And with that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine, which is attempting to open a Creole restaurant in a dangerous part of town. <laughs> <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.